Hi, this is Len Epp from LeanPub, and in this podcast episode, I'll be talking with Morella Roncevic. In addition to being a writer, editor, and publishing industry consultant, Morella is the editorial director of No Shelf Required, an online resource for book industry professionals to help speed the spread of literacy and open access to knowledge, and which has a special focus on subjects related to ebooks and digital content. Marilla is also the founder and director of an organization that seeks to create free reading zones, and in December 2016 turned the entire country of Croatia into an open virtual library, including over 100,000 books freely available to download um, without requiring that anyone have a library card or any type of access code. In this interview, we're going to talk about Marilla's career, No Shelf Required, and her experience with setting up free reading zones. Um, in addition to her work, I should mention, um, published at noshelfrequired.com, you can also read content by Morella on her website at morellaroncevic.com, and you can follow No Shelf Required on Twitter at No Shelf Required. So thank you, Morella, for being on the Lean Pub podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, I always like to start these interviews by asking people for their origin story, um, and I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your history, um, how you became interested in the publishing world and in, in the library industry as well, and some of your experiences that led you to um, where you are today. Well, I always knew that I, growing up um, in Croatia, actually, I was born in Croatia. I moved to New York when I was a teenager, uh, and I always knew growing up that I would be a writer, um, that I would be involved with writing in books. Um, so it was no surprise that I ended up at NYU studying literature and journalism and combining the two. Um, so getting a job, getting that first job in publishing was a natural progression of my my work at NYU as a student, as an undergraduate student and then as a graduate student of comparative literature. Um, so when I ended up in publishing, I, uh, I was a, a standard um, editor uh, my first um, few years um, of, of the first few years of my work in publishing involved um, classic editorial work. I, I simply I worked with books, and later I landed a job at Library Journal, where I wrote about books and reviewed them and and, and wrote articles about the publishing industry. Um, so it was a very natural progression that started during my college years, and from there it just grew, um, and little by little, I ended up uh, on the digital side, which which was a surprise. It wasn't something I was pursuing. I, I fell into it. Uh, at first, I was very resistant. I was in my, at the time, mid to late 20s. And it, the the job of the person who would handle e-books at the time was simply given to the young, youngest person on staff, which was me. Uh, but I ended up discovering, um, not only um, discovering the the potential of ebooks to 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 transform the world in ways we haven't seen before but i also became an avid ebook reader and so that's where i am today uh, the advocate of 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 reading in digital format and and someone who's very passionate about uh despite my traditional publishing background as someone who's very passionate about what digital books can do for the world um, and and what they can do for the world beyond libraries, beyond institutions. Uh, so this idea of one day, perhaps not in my lifetime, uh, but one day um, the world becoming an open virtual library is, is something that I'm naturally very drawn to. Um, I'd like to, like to talk to you about um, that in a couple of minutes. Um, but um, 
before moving on, I think people might be interested in hearing about what the classic duties of an editor uh, were in the publishing industry and, and maybe how they've changed uh, in your time, especially over that transition to digital. Uh, well, I didn't spend as much time um, editing books in my career as I did working as a, as a, as a book review editor for a magazine. Uh, especially Library Journal, where I spent 12 years. But I did spend a significant number of years um, as, as a classic book editor, managing editor, and acquisitions editor. How things have changed? Well, things have gotten really uh, hectic. They've always been, but it does seem to me that uh, books are produced at a faster pace. Um, there is a lot, um, a lot more simply because books used to be printed and now they're printed and digitized at the same time. So there are a lot of people involved with the production of every book. And then of course there's the onslaught of self-publishing, which has been a phenomenon we, we cannot ignore. And, and that has challenged traditional publishing in many ways. Um, so in many ways, publishing is not really uh, much different than it used to be, except that a lot more is being produced. Um, I think I read somewhere that uh, over a million new titles are produced or published every year. Half of them are, are self-published. That's a lot of books to keep up with. And, and a do, lot of people are involved in that process. And do you see um, that growth in ebooks or in self-publishing, sorry, to uh, continue along its current trajectory? Yes, yes, and and that's that's the other. If I could single out two things that I, I I focus on uh, at No Shelf Acquired, the first would be obviously my passion for free access to books, but the second would be my my increasing interest in self-publishing. Coming from a traditional editor, from someone who spent twelve years of her career being a book review editor, and 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 being a firm believer that books need to be vetted and that there needs to be a strict filtering process in place and that no book that isn't professionally produced inside a reputable publishing house could ever be as authoritative and, and, and as good as a book that's, you know, published by somebody on their own. I've come a long way in that thinking. I've really opened up. And, and again, ebooks had, had a lot to do with that. Uh, I opened up to self-publishing in recent years, and I, I because I became more educated about it, I, I took my time with it and to understand what is really out there, and 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 discovered that there is a lot of good stuff out there. There are a lot of dedicated individuals um, working on various books, not all fiction, many many non-fiction titles, even independent academics. You know, people really, you know, in, investing a lot of time and energy into crafting books that are worth our attention. So I have, uh, I, we use No Shelf Required as, as, as an outlet that promotes uh, independent publishing. In fact, I, I don't like to call it self-publishing. I much prefer calling it independent publishing. There's just something more honorable about that because there's a lot of discipline involved. And the more I read about these books and the more I um and as someone who spends a significant amount of time now producing content on her own, um, it's, it's hard work. And there are a lot of people out there doing it with a lot of dignity. And we have to pay attention to that. And they will not go away. And these new emerging technologies are really making it easier for them 
to, to publish their work. And not to mention, you know, going back to the earlier question, what is different about publishing? One of the challenging things about publishing has always been how much good stuff is, is simply never selected to be published in the first place. Uh, the competition is fierce. Publishers can only take in so much. So now we live in a world that allows for all of that expression. And um, there's nothing to be afraid of. Afraid of. We, we simply have to embrace it. And I do believe that the good stuff finds its way to the surface and that the world in general is pretty good at censoring, self-censoring and, and, and deciding for, for, for themselves what they ultimately gravitate towards. It's a pretty organic process. Yeah, speaking of... of um newish technologies i suppose um uh in the self-publishing space um you know the 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 the, the um giant in the room is um amazon and i was wondering what your opinion is about um the, the relationship that amazon's developed with self-published authors and seeing where they may be going uh this will be one of those questions i i wish not to answer simply okay. because i don't know much about it i okay. i tend not to be so focused on um, um, the business aspects of 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 what you know of, of self publishing. I I'm more drawn to it from an editorial perspective and the freedom of it and 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 what you know the ideology behind it more than the. I really have uh, you know I don't have any reservations about Amazon as 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 you know as as problematic as it's been, its relationship with the publishing industry overall, I tend to be more focused on, you know, the alternative models and, and the different things that we can do beyond. Uh, to me, Amazon is, is another version of, it's just a much bigger version of, a, of how things have always been sold and, and, and packaged. Um, it's, not, it's not radical enough. It's not showing the true potential of the, the digital medium yet. I mean, it's certainly making books more affordable. I'll give them that. But that has its own problems, doesn't it? Yeah. Certainly for the author. Yeah. I'm not sure the solution is to devalue the book to the point where you can buy it for $2 or $3. I'm not sure what to make of that. Speaking of um, ideology and the radical potential um, that you speak of, I think I came across a bio of you on No Shelf Required. It or may have been somewhere in a blog post where... You spoke about how when you were growing up, you really didn't have a great deal of books around. Um, and um, pardon me if I'm wrong about that, but I want, it struck me because um, one of the dividing lines I've just found anecdotally in my experience talking to people about the potential of ebooks is that um, access people had when they were young or when they began to thirst for knowledge. And those who felt that it was limited are often those who are much more quick to see what the potential for ebooks represents. Absolutely. I mean, I, I grew up in a very small town um, on the Croatian Adriatic. I, I, I did write about that. You're, you're right. It was in one of my blog posts. Um, the first time I walked into NYPL in New York, I and the first time I walked into the, you know, NY, the NYU library, I remember being overwhelmed. I mean, just to, to see so many books in one place. It was, it's, it's one of those things you never forget in your life. And, and we quickly, we, we, we forget how many people on this planet, you know, still don't have access to literature, how many people don't live in urban areas or affluent areas. 
how much, you know, how limiting that access always has been with the print book, as glorious as all these urban libraries out there are, and as much as we like to worship them, and we do, and sometimes I wish we would spend less time doing that, you know, admiring the physical and, and more time focusing on, okay, so if this physical has to be, has to stay where it is, what can we do digitally? What what can we do virtually to, to, to level the playing field? And, and that's where eBooks come in. And that's where my excitement comes in. And, 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 and that's what no shelf required these days is about it's it, you know it, we live in a world now where we already can do so much more than we do and, and in that world a lot of there are a lot of very wealthy urban libraries with unbelievably rich collections that are not accessible to anyone beyond the right zip code we, we can do better than that we can do much better than that and 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 I think libraries have to, you know, wake up to that potential as well. I mean, even within a country like the U.S., there's a lot of discrepancy between what a major urban library can offer versus a small library in rural Texas. So to me, that's what ebooks are about. You know, they're about democratizing the written word, the way even Gutenberg couldn't pull off. You know, print never really gave us that full democracy of the written word. It was always tied to the library, to the physical entity, to the city, to the affluent urban area. The ebook can be accessible to anyone anywhere, period. Uh, and, and that holds so much potential and, and it really is um, difficult to ignore that. And the more you get into it, the more you experiment, as I have in, in recent months, the more you experiment with ebooks and the more you, but that's the key word. You have to be willing to experiment. Publishers have to be willing to experiment. Libraries have to be willing to experiment. We don't know exactly um, what the right, or if there is the right, the perfect model that can accomplish, you know, all that we want to see with ebooks. But with all due respect to all my, you know, colleagues in publishing, I don't think as an industry we've done enough because we still rely on that old mentality. We buy, we sell, we borrow, we lend. You know, that that seems to be where we're stuck. And with ebooks, it really does not have to be about just about buying or selling or borrowing. It, it, it requires a completely different frame of thinking. Speaking of that different way of thinking and experimenting and trying to improve things, uh, this seems like a good moment to ask you about the free reading initiative and and um, uh, how you got things set up in Croatia and what 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 it was all about. So so the free reading um, zones project actually initiated in the U.S. Uh, with a company called Total Books. Um, it's a company that I consulted for about three years. It's an Israeli company that entered the U.S. market about three years ago with a brand new model for reading ebooks, uh, And I was very drawn to it from the very beginning because it was so radical and, and, and it wasn't about buying or selling, but simply about um, paying for only for what you read. Now, not per page, not per view, but for what you actually read. You know, similar to how Skype works. If you load up your balance and you you read only a, a percentage of a book, you are only charged for that percentage. So Total Books became a good model for libraries because 
it offered instant simultaneous access to, to books, which has been a major issue with libraries, with public libraries in the, in the United States, uh, dealing with waiting lines, all kinds of restrictions placed on reading. Um, so the libraries that work with total books had the option to take, you know, to make those books available instantly in places other than libraries, for example, parks, um, any physical, any geographical area could be, you know, turned into a free reading zone where with your library card, you can read. So it's basically going beyond the library walls to turn public spaces into these, you know, areas of, of where culture is abundant, if you will. And it was a great way for libraries to attract more library card holders and and, um, and encourage more reading. Um, and then it dawned on me somewhere along the way, why, why do we have to uh, only ask libraries to sponsor this reading? Why, why don't we go beyond libraries? What about, why don't we make reading available to people without restrictions. So even asking them to, to, to put in a library card still means that you're preferring library patrons in a certain area. So it's still not 100% free. So, so that's, that's where the idea was born. Um, uh, to this, to the, the idea that the next step should be free reading anywhere where free reading, where, where reading is welcome. If, if, if a bank wants to sponsor uh, people's reading or an insurance company or uh, any kind of government entity or organization that supports literacy, it can. And I thought that the total books model was a really good one, again, because of that instant access, because there's no buying and borrowing. The books simply are always available and exposed for reading. So the idea then becomes we transfer the cost of reading from the reader to the sponsor. So the first project I did that was that did not involve a library. It was actually turning a cafe into a free reading zone. And the cafe was here in Zagreb in Croatia, the capital of Croatia, um, which worked the same way. Any, any person on premises, anyone who visited the cafe uh, could go into a virtual library bigger than the, the collection available at the biggest library in Croatia, the, the library, the National Library of Zagreb. And, and browse and read thousands of books in several languages. And, um, and, I, and uh, as long as they stay, and I think they were able to, as long as they stay at the cafe or uh, you, they could also finish the reading at home through the end of the day. Um, but that was, that was more of a pilot. It was more of a staging for what would come next. And what came next was the what I call the project of my life, the turning of the entire country. We, 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 went, from, we went from a cafe to uh, the entire country. The reason it happened in Croatia was really simple. I was at a point in my career after finishing my work with Total Books, I was looking for a change and I spent most of my life at that point living in New York. And I, there comes a point in your life and your career when you, uh, you seek a change and, 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 and you, decide it would be a good idea perhaps to, to, to reconnect with the source, if you will. So going to Croatia was a personal decision for me. I certainly at the time had no plans to turn the country into a free reading zone. That was not on the list, on my to-do list. It was mostly to travel on trains and visit relatives that I haven't seen in years and, and, and just give myself and my family 
a year away from New York. Um, the cafe project was fun and, and, and we did it. Um, I did it with a group of people, local enthusiasts who helped and the cafe owners who were really interested in the project because the cafe itself is not a regular cafe. It's, it's kind of literary. It has a, a history of, 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 um, literary events and, and it's always been like a cultural hub where people gather to discuss arts and, and literature. So it was very natural. It was a very natural place to do that. The big country project kind of snuck up on me. And I honestly, looking back, I, um, I, I, I'm not even sure at what point I decided that I was ready for it, but all kind of fell into place. And I was fortunate enough that I had the company total books backing it and they were, interested in it and I explained my idea I explained that it would be only in in Croatia it was here's why it was small enough that we could pull it off Croatia is not a big country it's got less than five million people that's more people live in Queens in New York than than in this entire nation um, it's a touristy country with 15 million people visiting it a year so that's three times as many than residents so all kinds of languages are spoken all over the place, which is good because the collection we would expose would be multilingual. It would include thousands of books in English and French and German, Italian, etc. Uh, the smallest number of them were actually in Croatian because we added them at the last minute. Um, and then also it's a rural country. It's a country of a thousand islands scattered all over the place, uh, very few urban areas, a country where ebooks never never even took off. Nobody's interested in them. Most publishers don't even digitize their books. Those that do, many of them only have them in PDF. So, so it's, it's not, it wasn't, it's, it, it, which, which made it perfect for this experiment, because if I'm, if we're going to prove, if I'm going to prove that if we create the right conditions for people to read eBooks, they will embrace them, and if we do, if if we can prove that in a country like Croatia, then 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 that's going to be a powerful statement. It's going to make it all that that much more um, believable, and 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 it will have that much more weight. Um, so it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. It took many many. I certainly put my personal life on hold for it. It it had many more challenges than I expected. I exposed myself publicly. I went on national TV, which um, for a writer, you know, an editor, it wasn't exactly a natural um, atmosphere. Um, but we understood that we had to build the momentum, that we had to explain to people what was about to happen. The, the uniqueness of the project, the revolutionary aspect of it, that no other country really, is, to the best of my knowledge, has ever attempted something like that, that one day in early December, they will wake up and the whole country will be an open library and they will be able to read, any, go into this free app and just read for one month. And, uh, well, we didn't say for one month, we were hoping it would last longer, but it ended up lasting for a month. Um, and so, so th there was a lot that went into it, and I certainly couldn't have done it by myself. So I uh, organized a group of people who helped, uh, from IT specialists to publishing consultants to family members who cheered me on. And it was, it was, it was intense. It was an intense six months leading up to the big finale, which was um, um, 
the actual launch. Uh, and then there was also another component, and that, that was speaking to potential sponsors and government officials. That was the most important and exhausting part. It wasn't just about the pilot. We secured the, we, we had the funds for the first month. We knew that the, the, the reading was covered for the first month, and that would work. It's That would work out fine. What I was really interested in is, is for the country, for somebody to pick it up so that it would not stop, so that it would continue. So I spent a lot of my time talking to um, government officials, going to presentations, um, going into banks, all kinds of corporations, presenting the project, uh, asking them essentially to sponsor it, but presenting it in a way that it wasn't a humanitarian action. That was very important to me. Uh, I wanted it to come across as, as this exciting new way to support literacy and culture through sponsorship, um, advertising, if you will. But keep in mind, the library itself was not going to be flooded with ads. There was going to be a simple greeting by the sponsor upon the entry into the app, and that was it. And then the reader would be left alone. So a very discreet way of of branding and, and allowing organizations and corporations to to sponsor something that I think is 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 beyond big because it doesn't involve as I as I would explain to them, it does not involve like it always does when you support a cultural event, you're essentially supporting the organizer, you're supporting the author, you're supporting a festival. So it's always the the creator. But in this project, you're actually supporting the end user. So that is like culture at its highest level, benefiting everybody, complete uh, coming full circle. And to make the very, very long story short, um, the government officials that we spoke with in the end showed the most interest. Uh, we had several meetings with the Minister of Culture here, uh, the Ministry of Tourism, as well as Education. And um, we are still in the process of waiting to hear from them and, and hope, I really hope, that um, that this inspires them to continue because the, the project was a huge success. Thousands of people registered within hours. Tens of thousands of people read every single minute of the day. Um, the support was enormous. Um, people thought it was too good to be true. Um, the only negative comments we ever got were at the very end when we had to notify them that the pilot was put on hold until a sponsor was ready to to continue. Why a sponsor? So that we could pay publishers because that's what made this so special. I'm, curious, first... I'm very curious about that aspect of it. Um, uh, so as I understand it, there was a pre-existing app. And by the way, what a wonderful story. Um, uh, and congratula congratulations on your success with it. Um, uh, so as I understand it, there was an app um, that pre-existed and then a really big part of the work that you did, I imagine, was convincing publishers to allow their books to be distributed through that app. Um, and I was that wondering was, if you... Right. That was the work I did for Total Books. Total Books model, the, the, the pay-as-you-read model, only pays publishers for what is read. And this is a very radical concept. So I spent three years of my life as a consultant to Total Books, convincing publishers to sign. And I, I was pretty successful at it. We reached a very, you know... We created a very robust collection, over 300 publishers I see. Uh, represented. Very, very 
very uh, well-known brands, you know, brands like Lonely Planet, Berlitz, Sourcebooks, F&W, a number of Canadian publishers too, ECW, um, etc. Um, so, so, so this model, basically, the, the contracts that publishers signed with Total Books said, in a nutshell, you will get paid not for the price that you set every time somebody downloads. Let's say it's twenty dollars. If I download that book, but I only read two dollars worth of it, I only read a few pages. We owe you two two dollars of it for that particular book. But we will pay you every time anyone anywhere reads. So it's incremental revenue. This is a departure from what publishers are used to because they are used to making predictions and getting the $20 for every book they sell, whether they read, people read or not, is really not the concern. But all of a sudden with this you know, new model, it becomes very much part of the game. So, and, and, and in all honesty, many publishers are still not ready for that, uh, that they will only be paid if people read. It's, it's almost like we're you know, we're um, holding we're holding them in a way like responsible for to to earn um, based on what is actually read. So, so that is the model. So that's the the same model that we used in Croatia. We did not have to go back to those same publishers and say, "Are you going to participate in this pilot?" Because no matter where people read inside that app, they will always be paid. The only difference is in Croatia, this was the first time that in Croatia, it did not come from any individuals. It came from directly from the sponsor. So somebody picked it all up on their behalf. That, that's basically the model that I designed. Let's transfer the burden of, of paying for the reading from the reader to the, to the sponsor, whoever that may be. And it can still be a library except in Croatia. And by the way, this is also something that libraries in the U.S. may not be so aware of. Libraries outside the U.S., you know, most, the vast majority of places I've been to, not just in Croatia, but all around Europe, truly don't have the funds to, to, to even consider working with e-books. It's, libraries in the U.S. have made tremendous um, progress with ebooks as as chaotic as it's been to us and and I myself have been as I've been critical of 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 some of the the way the ways things have turned out but still in comparison to the rest of the world it's 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 uh it the, the US is in a much better shape my point is if we're going to spread reading around the world we 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 cannot rely on libraries outside the US they simply don't have the means to do it they need all the help they can get uh, so, so, so in Croatia, publishers, uh, we just used the collection that Total Books already has and that it already makes available for reading. It did not affect publishers. I don't know if I'm making sense. I hope yeah. I am. Yes. So that's really all we did. We used the same exact existing app, but we gave it a new name. It was called Croatia Reads. And uh, it looked exactly the same as the Total Books app. The only difference was that there was no one keeping track of your balance. Inside Croatia, there was no balance for the individual user. Oh, that's very interesting. And how did how did um, how was it the app aware of where where the user was? There are several ways to do it. You know, uh, there's the the easier way and the more expensive, more evolved way, which is through GPS which is something I'm working on right now. The easiest, actually, the simplest way 
to do it is to limit the app to the, the um, to limit the app to a certain area or country. In this case, Croatia in the in the app store. So if you make the app only available in the app store for certain countries, as well as in Google Play, it will only be available inside that country. But that makes it a little bit more challenging for tourists, because in that case, if a tourist arrives from the U.S., he still has the U.S. app store in his app. So in that case, um, it's... Um, and GPS is a better option. But free reading zones can 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 work several ways. It can be through via IP address, GPS coordinates, or simply by limiting the app to a certain um, country inside the app store. Thanks for that. That's a very clear explanation. And I think I'm getting a, a much richer understanding of, of, um, of what you're up to. Um, I wanted to go back to libraries again. Um, Okay. You, you said some things in your blog post that I found um, uh, created a an original pattern in all the reading I've done around um, you know ebooks and print books and libraries and things like that. And so I'm going to quote you a little bit. Um, uh, but you have, and yet this goes back also to your wonderful point about actually doing experiments, right? And how this free reading zone in Croatia was a big experiment to see you know how people would respond. And you say, um, quote. Readers do not care to get ebooks through libraries. Like other digital content, they simply want to access ebooks freely and without a cumbersome process. End quote. Um, and you also talk about how there is no clerk keeping track of what they were borrowing or buying. And one of the reasons I found these observations so or these results so fascinating um, is that it gets at the heart of a kind of contradiction in the print ebook discourse that I've seen, where on the one hand. Um, people will be critical of, say, big companies like Apple or, say, like Amazon for um, gathering data on us in order to, you know, let us know recommendations better than they would otherwise for the next book to read. But the very same person will then argue, on the other hand, the main value of something like an independent bookstore is that the staff know you personally and know you so well. Um, that they know better than you what you want to read. And what you're getting at is just it totally comes from a totally different direction, which is people just mm -hmm. want a frictionless experience. They don't want a clerk getting in the way. You know, they kind of, as you were saying before, the Internet has figured out pretty good ways of, you know, if you know what you're looking for, separating from your perspective wheat from chaff. Um, and, I mean, if you do know what you're doing. Um, and that, that people just really desperately want... To read, um, and uh, if you just get out of the way, uh, they'll right. they'll do it. Right, get out of the way. I, I wrote about that this morning in my post, uh, in which I kind of I I write about what books want. That one which you're quoting was the article about what readers want, um, and what there's something really really delicate about this, and that's what I was trying to get at. This. Uh, the, the beauty of a see the the wonderful thing about the word free is it's got two meanings and and that and the free as in free to read no no charge no pay but the the other one which is more important for this project which was the freedom of reading and the, the complete um no restrictions the way you read when you are inside a virtual library affords you the kind of um privacy that people say that it's, you know, everything in digital is not private because it's if it's digital, if it's in a virtual environment, somebody is always keeping track. 
Well, in this case, you know, they're, they're, we keep track to pay the publishers, but it's an aggregate. No personal information is ever re revealed and it's not kept track of. But what's really special about this is there are so many books out there that people not only that people simply cannot get through libraries or bookstores, but in a place like Croatia, you, that I, I have never in this you know very conservative Catholic country seen various types of books in bookstores. For example, gay fiction. We have we had a collection of three thousand titles from Riptide and um, Riptide Publishing and um, the other publisher of gay fiction from Orlando. I'm forgetting the the name now. Um, those types of books are not available in bookstores. They simply are not. They're not even available in libraries. Uh, people may, even if they were, may not be um, as comfortable buying them or checking them out or books about domestic violence or any kind of sensitive topic that for whatever reason a person wants to keep to themselves in private. The wonderful thing about reading in a virtual environment is that nobody stands in the way between you and the book. And I'm a big, big proponent of that, this idea that everybody gets out of the way. And I'm coming from a former book review editor. We need to get out of the way too. We, our job is to produce, create, and make available. And once we do our jobs as publishers and librarians, we all need to get out of the way. I, I really believe that we overthink vetting and filtering. We overthink recommendations. People, one of the big, one of the most important feedbacks we received was how much people enjoyed browsing. You cannot browse like that in a physical environment. You simply cannot. And this isn't, I don't like to, um, I, I, I've always, since day one, believed that one format did not compete with the other. And I still believe that. I just like to focus on the strengths of both formats, print and digital. And these are the strength of the digital format, that wonderful privacy that it gives you to explore the way you cannot explore in a, in a bookstore or a physical library and, and, and going in and out of books and, and reading parts of books and, and creating your own shelves. This was the wonderful feature of the app. It allows you to build your own shelves and then share them with others if you choose. Um, that, that exploration part, browsing, you know, I, I, I think that all reading matters. I don't believe that you have to read everything cover to cover. I, I think that we learn even when we read in fragments. I think it all matters and that, to, you know, the perfect library of the future is that virtual, that river that, of knowledge that flows any way it wants to. And books have a way of finding readers on their own. It's a it's a wonderful process, and I think that we don't explore, we don't allow for it enough. We there are so many people in the middle, so many middlemen, <laughs> so many, um, and 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 with Croatia reads, there was none of that. There's 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 nothing waiting for you there, but this wonderful library, and all you have to do is download and read, and and you can you know read and look at other people's. Um, shelves and recommendations but inside the library there's none of that i really welcomed you know people later said why don't you have the social media component where people can discuss books and i said to someone well i kind of like that this older app did not you know it because it really was just a library 
So, so, you know, we live in a world where everybody's a critic. Everybody has something to say. It's overwhelming. So there's something really wonderful about a digital library without the comments section. You know, there's the book and there's a shelf and you get to go in and out of books and that's pretty much it. You're on your own. It's very quiet in there. Speaking again of, of being on your own, um, I wanted to circle back before we move on to discussing the future perfect library, which I'm very interested in hearing about. Um, uh, the point you made about locality, this is a, a concept that, and privacy, this is a concept that people often, I think, romanticize. You know, I should read local authors and I should read the, the limited selection of books that my local bookseller chooses to make available to me. And I think, again, you know, people who perhaps grew up totally in sync with their environment or, or, you know, alternatively with a sense of total abundance uh, and no sense of lack are often very insensitive to what it's like to have needs like the ones you described, say, for a book on domestic violence in a place um, where you might want to keep that private or where those books aren't aren't um, even available in the first place. And that locality, restricting oneself to one's locale can actually be a kind of prison um, rather than... Uh, uh, warm and fuzzy um, activity. Right. Right. Um, yes, I have nothing to add to yeah, that. Sorry. Yeah, I, mean, I guess. <laughs> you just said it nicely, very nicely. I And, you know, I, I have all these different ways of saying it too, not just negative, you know, and sad sure. things like, you know, a woman walking into a library just kind of wanting to help herself or uh, being in a difficult situation. But but also like the the, the lighter the lighter, more enjoyable metaphors, like you know, I, I am, I, I have two PhDs, and 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 I'm on vacation, and I just want to read a trashy romance novel, <laughs> you know, right. I just right. wanted to sink my teeth into it. Um, so just this, allowing people to have the widest range, right? Because I think one of the wonderful things about you know the what we can do with with monitoring reading and having the data that shows in aggregate again very important what people uh, not what people read but also how people read people have the the widest interests Do, would you believe me if i told you that the most popular books are not the most read that the books that are the most well known in the total books collection are often the most downloaded, but they are not the most read. People often download books impulsively because they want to be part of a, a cultural phenomenon. This is all part of that PR machine that the publishing industry drives oh, all over the world. So so I will frantically download Fifty Shades of Grey because I want to read it because I somehow have to because if I don't, I'm not part of this. I will not be able to keep up with the cultural dialogue even though really it doesn't interest me that much. So when I'm in that virtual environment, this is why that incremental revenue makes so much sense because people read all kinds of things. They stop, they read, they start, they st start reading a book, they stop. Uh, best selling has never meant most read. It's just that we never took the interest in that. The publishing industry has never really been interested. Are people actually reading what they're buying? And very often they don't, but, but in, in a virtual environment, you can take a book that's 20 years old and discover it for the first time. And to you, that is a brand new book. You know, I read The Power of Now three years ago. I was at a point in my life when it started to matter to me. 
when it came out, I think it came out in 1996, I was still in college. I had no use for that book at, at, that, at that time and at that age. So to me, the power of now, 20 years later, was a discovery, a revelation. So this is, again, another, another drawback of print books. They are not available to us at the point of need. And that need comes to us at different points in our lives. So, so there's that too. There's that element of, of um, what is new, what is old. That's one of the most challenging things about the publishing industry is how did it get so impatient with books? You know, we publish so much stuff. Books age quickly, so quickly. Why? Why do they age so fast? You know, if you don't get it, within publishers move on to the next catalog the minute that you know immediate catalog comes out and five six years later those books that are not available in bookstores and very few are bought by libraries obviously are nowhere to be found i mean you can order them online but but they rarely make money off of those books at a certain point they stop making revenue when you make them when you reopen them for discovery People will not buy a book just because it's available on Amazon. But if you open it up to them for discovery, like like is the case with the, with Total Books, then then you allow for that reading to take place. So that's extremely beneficial for publishers. It's beneficial for everybody. Readers benefit because it's right there when they want it. Um, and publishers always have a chance to to earn based on what people read. And I really like that balance. I think it's important because I think books should not age that quickly. It's always bothered me, you know, how how quickly publishers move on to the next list. It's very, very difficult, even for librarians. And this is what I often tell them. Um, you cannot keep up anymore and you shouldn't even have to. It's it's really difficult. There's got to be a better way. You know, it's. I, I think the future, you know, for libraries certainly does not involve creating and hoarding, creating collections and hoarding books in, in, in print format, simply because the volume is, is, is impossible to keep up with. Speaking even of, the best of them. Yeah. Speaking of a certain type of hoarding, um, uh, one topic that really interests me, partly because I know so little about it really, is the concept of territorial rights, um, which can often be a way, just on the general theme of open access, can often be a way of restricting um, access to uh, things um, from, you know, in one part of the world where it might be available in another. Um, currently, uh, a very prominent example of that is in, uh, in the film world um, and television world is Netflix, which has basically said it thinks there should be no territorial rights and there should just be one territory, which is planet Earth. Um, and uh, and that there should be no negotiating of cantonized um, rights, and that this is basically a rent-seeking uh, legacy from the past. And I was wondering what what you might have to say about about this issue. I I couldn't agree with it more. I think that this is something that we deal in publishing. We de we deal with this issue in publishing still. And there are books. There were books from that collection of 100,000 books that people could not read in Croatia simply because the rights were not there for this particular country. The vast majority of books, I think, as we move to toward the future, do grant that digital rights are automatically world rights. So eventually it'll phase out. It has to. 
it's 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 really difficult. It's just it's just illogical. It makes no sense. Digital form digital content cannot um, cannot function otherwise. It's it's restricting it in ways that makes it impossible for it to flow. And we also live in a world where people travel all the time, all the time. You know, I the minute I step foot outside of the U.S., half of my apps don't work anymore. It's annoying. <laughs> and I, I'm a frequent traveler and I live on two continents. So for me, it's, it's you know, Pandora. When I'm in the U.S., it's like I listen to Pandora. Once I get out, it's, it's the rights are not there anymore. You know, that's what you get when you click on Pandora. It tells you, sorry rights are not available for this country. Um, so Netflix, uh, Netflix, interestingly enough, is available here and I, I enjoy it every day, but not the same Netflix. So even they are dealing with, with these rights issues and, and not all movies are available in, in every country at every time. But that is the future. That is, that, that's that river that I, I love the metaphor of river, the flowing river of content, that that's the river of the future. You know, the, um, you, it's, it's like, it, to me, books are in many ways not different than websites. You know, it's their containers of that house content of some kind. And, and you know, the same way we can go on a website and, and read the content there, we should be able to, to eventually consume all content that way, including books in digital format. And but I have to say, with, you know, to give credit where credit is due, it's getting better it's getting much better than it used to. And it's not as big of an issue as it used to be. I, I think it was a much bigger problem 10, 15 years from now. As new books are released, digital rights are handled in such a way that they're pretty much automatically, you know, worldwide. Well, that's really great, great well, news. Well, that's been my experience. You know, I, I do want to say that I don't, we still haven't um, worked with the big five uh, it may be more complicated with, with, with some of their books. And the, the only reason we, we don't have the Big Five content that we haven't used in, in Croatia is because the Big Five pub publishers, the, they simply are not ready for this experiment. They are very much adhering to the traditional one copy, one user model. And um, I would love no, nothing more than to for them to open their doors to us. But that has not been... That has not been um, something I've been able to conquer yet, but I will keep trying. Speaking of um, a new and better future and this the river, um, uh, I was wondering if you could talk just for a few minutes about what your vision, your current vision. I mean, of course, there will still be experiments to do, but what your vision is of the uh, global open virtual library. How, how would it work? Would it have a sort of single central administration or? Um, well, I... I... I have visions of it that, you know, somebody asked me in an interview, uh, what is the ultimate free reading zone? That was the question. I remember that was the question. And I, I answered, well, the world is the ultimate free reading zone. So not a particular country. But I, I do think for many, many reasons, uh, we have ways to go to get there. It's not going to happen overnight. and It's probably not going to happen in my lifetime. Um, it's possible. It's possible that it will happen sooner than then we think, uh, is the technology already there? Absolutely. Can we make every book available to everyone on the planet right now? Absolutely. But there, there is a lot at stake. There, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of, there's an army of people who work in this industry and families that need to be fed and, um, supported. 
and business models to be protected, institutions and in, uh, in to be protected. So the way to move forward, I think, toward that ultimate goal um, is to, this is why I believe in free reading, you know, the, this concept of zones um, is because I, I it's, it's, it, they're more manageable, financially speaking, they're more manageable. So when you take a country like Croatia, you can get a lot of government entities involved to pay for its citizens to read, you know, to take the money that they set aside for literacy and education and cultural budgets um, to, to support what matters to them. So, so when, when it's community driven, it's a lot easier to manage financially. Now, turning the United States of America into a free reading zone would be, you know, much, you know, it would be a, a huge endeavor involving millions and millions and millions of dollars. So it's not likely, it's not going to happen. Croatia, again, is, is a small country, so it was, it made a lot of sense. You know, many cities around the world have more people than um, than this, than the entire country of Croatia. But a lot of cities out there could be zones. Uh, I think the way to get there is for libraries right now to rethink um their presence. That I, I like to say to librarians, there is tremendous power in being invisible. So uh, this idea that if you are in the right zip code, you get to use the right library is 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 should stay in the past. And I I want to see libraries uh, show more courage there and and more support for areas beyond the areas that they serve. I mean, it's complex. We, we, we know it's all tied to tax, taxpayers' money, et cetera, et cetera. But, but still, I think, I think we can aim higher. I think that, you know, this is, this is books. This is not Prada purses. You know, this isn't fashion we're talking about. This is knowledge. This is the sharing of knowledge. You know, if MIT can, can educate millions of people for free by expo exposing its digital content online without it hurting you know, the whole physical experience on campus. I don't know if you're familiar. I hope you are. MIT's uh, open courses online, open to people all over the world. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm familiar with that, yeah. Right. So there's no reason that libraries cannot do something similar with with books. Is this the only way to do it? Probably not. This is the way I've done it. This is, this is the, my first attempt uh, to try something beyond... Um, this is the big, it's a bit of a scary phrase, but I've, 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 I'm starting to use it more. I notice when I speak about it, detaching knowledge from institutions, that's what this is about. Um, detaching it, not in a negative way, but in a way that it just gives it the, the, the wings to fly to wherever it needs to go. Um, that's, that's what the future is about. That's the next step for libraries. Libraries spend um, a lot of time, a lot of time, and this is universal, it's not just uh, in North America, defending uh, the physical entity, the physical institution, this idea that you come to the building, you go where the knowledge is, is very old school to me. So, so, so the mentality there needs to be reversed a little bit so that it becomes exciting that the knowledge goes out there uh, not the other way around. And this is this is my challenge. This is this is something that I I write about sometimes more successfully, sometimes not so successfully. But I I try to 
capture that. I tried to capture this idea that knowledge does not want to belong. It really doesn't. It's the opposite from what libraries think because it had to be guarded in printed format. But digitally, it requires a completely different way of thinking and going about it. So I challenge libraries that way. I challenge them to to not be the guardians of knowledge in in digital format, but to set it free. Well, on that, and that on that note, <laughs> well, no, please please finish. That that's 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 basically the the gist of this project, and this is this this was basically at the core of it, and this is what drove me to it. And I just want to say that you know I said earlier, I don't even know how it happened, and. It, I really believe that, that, that these types of mission-driven projects have a way of finding you. And I, I felt at one point that this dream of free reading found me. I wasn't going after it. I wasn't chasing it. I, I, I didn't have a vision in my head that it was my, my job or my mission to, to, to turn places into free reading zones. It kind of falls into place and, and you, it becomes a calling and you feel that you are privileged enough and knowledgeable enough because you've lived enough and you've worked enough in that particular industry that you can see beyond what's there. And that's what it's required, going beyond what seems obvious. And that's, that is the ultimate goal. That is, you know, detaching knowledge and knowledge flowing outward and, and librarians actually holding the key, being the key to freeing that knowledge. Well, thanks very much. And on that note, I, I think our time might be about up and it's time for me to let you be free. Um, but, but thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you very much for sharing your um, passion and your story with us. And I wanted to say once again, congratulations on your success in Croatia. And I wish you all the best in, in what you do in the future. Thank you very much. Hopefully this is the beginning and we'll, we'll turn many other places into free reading zones very soon. Thank you. Thank you.